Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 28, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter, Two Employers, and we are on page 146. We will be beginning with the first full paragraph on that page, beginning with the sentence, as a class, alcoholics are energetic people. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, February 27th, is 3987. That's 3987. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Amy to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sixth, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct commands to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us, and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
I thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. I'd now like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Margaret H. in Illinois, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 146, the first full paragraph on that page that begins, as a class, alcoholics are energetic people. And this morning I would like to ask Esther to get us started. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. As a class, alcoholics are energetic people. They work hard and they play hard. Your man should be on his mettle to make good. Being somewhat weakened and faced with physical and mental readjustment to a life which knows no alcohol, he may overdo. You may have to curb his desire to work 16 hours a day. You may need to encourage him to play once in a while. He may wish to do a lot for other alcoholics, and something of the sort may come up during business hours. 
a reasonable amount of latitude will be helpful. This work is necessary to maintain his sobriety. So this chapter, you know, the entire chapter is describing to employers the nature of the disease of alcoholism, you know, what the employer can expect, what works, what doesn't. And this paragraph in particular here is describing his alcoholic employee when he is finally sober and, and recovered. And it's that stage of recovery when, you know, when life has changed dramatically and, you know, we're re- readjusting to life physically and, and mentally. And we may overdo things a bit. Um, I, I certainly have this experience. I recently heard an expression that describes the stage well. You know, I very much identify with this stage of recovery, which someone termed as frantic sobriety. You know, especially for somebody like me, having spent many years in the disease, especially, you know, good and productive years, or what should have been good and productive years, and, and now experiencing newfound physical energy, of of course, not from not carrying around, you know, 260 pounds, and, and newfound spiritual energy from living in harmony with my higher power and not in collision with everybody and everything. So it's easy to for me to overdo things. But, of course, I don't, you know, I keep, I keep, my eye on it, and I discuss this with my sponsor, but I don't worry why, because I learned on page 87 in the big book, that paragraph which reads, being still an experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we'll find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. So although um, we may find ourselves in this um, newly sober <coughs> alcoholic finds himself in that stage of recovery where they want to, you know, just uh, e- eat the world up and, and do and do and do, that as I um, my thinking will be more inspired, I will naturally want to live a life at a tempo that allows me to be productive but not rushed or busy, busy, busy. And this is a good uh, heads up for the employer who may <laughs> be surprised at the behavior of, of his uh, newly recovered alcoholic employee. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. This is Kathleen in California. Go ahead, Kathleen. Thank you. Good morning. Um, you know, one thing jumps out at me with this paragraph. Uh, it was, I was recently reminded how in the beginning of the book it talks about um, Alcoholics Anonymous as a society, you know. So when I see that in the beginning, as a class, alcoholics. So it's it's always, for me, I always appreciate that, you know, that... that um, not pointing out to me that I'm special or anything special is going on here, but um, uh, you know something very particular is being addressed here. And alcoholics are energetic people. And at the end of this paragraph, it says he may, the alcoholic may, wish to do a lot for other alcoholics. Talk, and this is talking about in the workspace, and something of the sort may come up during business hours, a reasonable amount of latitude or freedom will be helpful. So this is instructions to the employer because this work is necessary for the alcoholic to maintain his sobriety. And, um, you know, that's what I see. In in this society of recovered compulsive overeaters that I 
have this privilege and opportunity to share with on this phone bridge, um, you know, that's one of the things that I see um, in my daily life now, that there are fellows in recovery that are so available, so available, and so, and and I hope to learn that, you know, um, working with others. So um, I just think that this is important to see that once an alcoholic has begun the journey of recovery, that the employer, uh, you know, it's suggested here that it's reasonable to, um, for that an amount of latitude is offered to an employee, um, you know, as they're putting their life back together, that, that being available to another recover, uh, recovering alcoholic, that's real and that's important. Um, uh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kathleen. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, as a class, alcoholics are energetic people. Energetic people. We have a lot of energy. And I don't know about you, but I know full well when still a practicing compulsive overeater, I spent a whole lot of energy, you know, getting the food, hiding the food, you know, using the food, you know, it took a lot of my mental as well as physical energy. So here they're talking to the employer about what's going to happen when all of that energy gets refocused, when all of that energy gets freed up, when it's not being used by the disease thinking, now it might be free to be useful and helpful. And and the employee might want to make up for lost time, might want to feel like, now that I'm free and clear, I want to give my all. I want to give my all. And there's a balance there. Thank God the people that went before me could help me find the balance. Because we said to the employer in the paragraph before, the employer cannot play favorites. You know, he can't take this recovering alcoholic and set him apart from everyone else with special privileges and special um, treatment, but he can be also aware that what he's got here is a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful opportunity, that this person now in sobriety and recovery has got a lot of energy and perhaps can help them focus that energy in a way that brings balance, that brings balance, you know. So he, he, and to see that the very thing that's going to help him to get sober and stay sober is working with others. And so you may look, he may wish to do a lot for other alcoholics, and something of the sort may come up during business hours. And so to, to see that there can be created a balance here, that he can see where his employee, and happily so, wants to do well, wants to do better and make up for some lost time. And also to see that this work is necessary to maintain his sobriety, working with others. So it gives the employer a great overview and helps him to see, perhaps, that what he's got is is a newfound treasure in this recovered person, but that he may 
have a ways to go learning how to navigate in a world without alcohol, a life that knows no alcohol. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Debbie in Georgia. Leah. Go ahead, Debbie, and then Leah. Hi, this is Debbie in Georgia, recovered compulsive overeater. This paragraph just really jumped right out at me um, because I'm experiencing that. Um, a, a big part of it for me now that the you know the food is down, um, I've been seeking a, a, a greater spiritual connection because that's what the program says we need. That's you know, um, and I've found it. I've just in the last six months or so been really getting connected and finding ways to connect more and um and I just am so delighted to to have this spiritual community of like minded people who want to do service and give back and i'm I've been actively seeking um ways to do that, and I've just realized in the last day or two that i'm I've kind of been overextending myself, and I'm beginning to feel a little bit of of discomfort at the amount of things that I'm committing to. Um, so this this really spoke to me um, and made me stop and think. I I need to um, kind of take stock of how much time do I have available. I don't I don't want to overextend myself because that could lead me back into the food if I get overwhelmed um, and I don't have the time available to take care of myself to to do my recovery actions. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Debbie. Go ahead, Leah. Thanks so much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to comment on, on a couple lines here. As a class, alcoholics are energetic people, and we we sure are. And, uh, you know, it is just fascinating and exhilarating to watch people recover. I mean, it is truly uh, a front row seat to miracles, watching people be reborn. And, uh, you know, I thank God that I've had the privilege to have that experience myself and and to have over two decades of watching others be transformed and the energy, um, you know, that that uh, is expressed when when the food is down and when people begin to implement these uh, steps in their lives. Um, all that energy, as Janice previously described, you know, that energy that we expended, um, you know, pursuing food, the actual binges, the uh, recovery of the binges, the um, manipulation and determination that it took in order to, you know, uh, make the time and find the money and, and, and pursue those foods, all that energy uh, or all the energy that went into dieting, all the energy that went into, uh, you know, the different remedies and methods we tried and, and all the different ways that we tried to control this disease of ours. Well, you take that energy now, and what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you know, we've we've put so much in energy into um, destroying ourselves with our own hands. 
And so, um, you know, this is a new experience for recovered people. Of course, we're reading the chapter to employers, which is helping employers have a little bit of understanding of their alcoholic employee. Um, and it's true, you know, you, you get into recovery and you do have all this energy and you have a lot of time. And we are people who ha- have not known how to live. Compulsive overeating in particular is a disease that rears its head most often in childhood. And so uh, for a long, long time, for decades, for most of us, we have been compulsive overeaters. And we have lived our lives as compulsive overeaters, active compulsive overeaters. Um, Our life was controlled by those desires. We were continuously bowing to the demands of our disease. The illness made decisions for us. We had no freedom. We always paid the piper. And now we were a slave to that disease. And now we have a lot of energy. It says they work hard and they play hard. Your man should be on his metal to make good. You know, now now we have an opportunity to tap into these God-given strengths and talents. And, yes, we tend to go overboard. It says being somewhat weakened and faced with physical and mental readjustments to a life which knows no alcohol, he may overdo. First of all, compulsive overeating, well, alcoholism does the same. But compulsive overeating, when you're eating to that excess, it is highly, highly stressful on the body, and it's hard uh, to have any get up and go. You know, but when you're feeding yourself properly and getting proper nutrition, it's amazing how well you can sleep and how well you can wake up in the morning and how your energy is, is at, you know, uh, is available to you. And that's just the physical ramifications. Um, what about uh, mental you know, mental, now that our minds are free, now that we are not uh, bogged down by uh, conflict and confusion and disharmony at every turn, now we, we feel a sense of meaning and purpose. Now we feel a sense of hope, a, a sense that we have something to contribute. So, you know, it is a process. Learning how to live is a process. This is all about, this is, this is way more than, than learning how to not compulsively overeat. This is about learning how to live. How do, I re- how do I preserve my resources? How do I conserve my energy so that I can utilize it properly? How do I give to different facets of my life so that I can perhaps live to the potential that God saw, sees in me? You know, so all of this takes time, uh, but it's doable, and it's beautiful, and it's available, and it's real, and it's there for every one of us. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? All right, Kathy, if you would please read the next paragraph for us. Thank you, Janice. Uh, This is Kathy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. After your man has gone along without drinking for a few months, you may be able to make use of his services with other employees who are giving you the alcoholic runaround, provided, of course, they are willing to have a third party in the picture. An alcoholic who has recovered but holds a relatively unimportant job can talk to a man with a better position. Being on a radically different basis of life, he will never take advantage of the situation. 
Well, um, I can say my own experience has been to be privileged to uh, share my recovery with several other uh, employees at my place of work. Um, and it has been uh, most meaningful to me to have uh, been able to see um, one person in particular um, discover uh, Overeaters Anonymous uh, because I was having lunch with her one day and she asked me what I was doing with my scale and um, that led to a conversation which led her to decide to try a meeting um, and uh, I had the the privilege to witness her getting into program and also getting into recovery. Um, so I think the, the potential is there, uh, especially uh, as we know uh, obesity to be such an epidemic uh, today um, that um, there are so many opportunities around us just by being in recovery and living according to uh, the steps and the principles, um, these opportunities abound. Um, and here it's telling the employer that this is something that can be uh, leveraged in his or her workplace. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula Mashia. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you so much, Janice. And thank you also for your service. And this would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Wow. Look at the cycle here. You know, after your man has gone along without drinking for a few months, doesn't say years, by the way, and that will happen. That will follow one day after another. But a few months, you may be able to make use of his services with other employees who are giving you the alcohol runaround. You know, isn't it strange when we're in our disease, we think nobody knows it? Oh, nobody can see. Nobody, nobody knows that. Everybody knows it. But you live in that world of make-believe that it's only you. But this part here, I love this. Even here, the respect, provided they're willing. Because if they ain't willing, honey, you hold on to that word. And you can stay right with that word. If they ain't willing, there ain't nothing you're going to do, nothing you're going to say, and nothing they see. Not even what they see will change their mind. But it does say in here, and I love the use of the words, an alcoholic who has recovered but holds a relatively unimportant job can talk to him. And why does, what does the employer see? The ground is level with the alcoholic recovered and the alcoholic he sees. For he knows that the tables were turned at one time, that was him. So he goes to him, and he will not take advantage. For he knows where he had been. But that part, being on a radically, oh, there it is, 567, being on a radically different basis of life, his whole life is not the same. It's obvious to the employer. And this employee can go. He will never take advantage of the situation. They're the grace of God. That's what he lives under. And he knows that in working with others, they're his salvation. Give it away. They're the gold mine. 
Take care. Thank you again for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, Being on a radically different basis of life, you will never take advantage of the situation. An alcoholic who has recovered but holds a relatively unimportant job can talk to a man with a better position. Um, You know... I feel like in OA, we're, we're much more protective of our anonymity and we want to keep it this big, deep, dark secret that we go to these uh, 12-step meetings um, every week or, or what we're doing with our food. But, you know, this is instructing us that we need to be available. We need to be available for whoever uh, is out there, whether we, you know, see them every day at the water cooler or we, um, you know, they're a stranger, that we need to be willing to share our recovery. And, you know, this, um, you know, if our employer knows that we are in recovery, then we can be assured that, you know, it's going to be okay if other people find out that we're in recovery. And, um we can uh, limit what we share on a personal level. You know, our deepest, we don't share our fourth step with everybody who walks down the um, hall, but, but we can share what God has done in our lives and how we have a new way of living and be assured that it'll be okay. Um, it's amazing to me, you know, when we come to these rooms, when we get together, I mean, we are from all facets of life. You know, there's some people with an eighth grade education and there's some people with a PhD. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We all share the same malady and that's what this is talking about. It doesn't matter if it's the maintenance worker who's been sober for two years and he's going to help the uh, senior vice president who, you know, his alcohol has suddenly, um, you know, he's become the slave to it. Uh, he has something to share with him that no one else has. Um, and, you know, this is what is such a beautiful thing about this recovery process is that we are people who would not ordinarily mix. But um, we are like people who have been thrown into, you know, survived a shipwreck. And, you know, suddenly, you know, you're pulling in that person who's drowning. You don't know who they are. You don't know where they've been, but you want to help them. And that's what we do. We help whoever wants our help. And, you know, we have the right to protect our anonymity as far as our deep, dark secrets, but we should not be afraid to share our recovery and where we get that recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, I'd just like to comment on that last sentence in this paragraph. Being on a radically different basis of life, he will never take advantage of the situation. Well, what is that radically different basis of life? What is that radically different basis of life they're referring to? Well, I believe it's being in recovery, he practices the principle in all his affairs. 
You know, he is he is operating under the guise of a higher power now. He is operating under that umbrella that sees things with a spiritual perspective. And and when we operate in that way, when we're practicing to the best of our abilities, one day at a time, the principles of the program in all our affairs, which includes here the workplace, then things are going to look different, feel different, and we're going to behave differently. And we're never going to take advantage of places where in the disease we might have taken advantage of. You know, it's, it says on the previous page that the greatest enemies for us were resentments and jealousies and envies and frustrations and fears. Well, if, if God is working in us now and we're able to work against those enemies and see the beauty of being open and honest and full of integrity and humility and all the things that the steps bring to us, then in these kinds of situations, in these work situations, we are going to be able to talk to someone who maybe has a higher up position than we were, but because we're going to talk human to human. And when we practice these principles in all our affairs, everything shifts. My perspective shifts. And with that, I'll pass. Um, Katie, would you read the next paragraph for us, please? And Katie, a compulsive overeater. Your man may be trusted. Long experience with alcoholic excuses naturally arouses suspicion. When his wife next calls saying he is sick, you might jump to the conclusion he is drunk. If he is and is still trying to recover, he will tell you about it even if it means the loss of his job. For he knows he must be honest if he would live at all. He will appreciate knowing you're not bothering your head about him, that you are not suspicious nor are you trying to run his life, so he will be shielded from temptation to drink. If he is conscientiously following the program of recovery, he can go anywhere your business may call him. Um, this is assuring the uh, employer that this is a radical change, that this, the person you knew, if they are working this program, is, is completely changed. Um, and, you know, as we say in, in our rooms that, you know, program ruins, and it's in the big book too, I think, somewhere, that it ruins your drinking. It ruins your eating. You can't enjoy it. You know, you don't, the employer doesn't have to worry that uh, the employee is just going to go back to their way of life and just, you know, try to cover it up and try to be that, um, you know, sneaky uh, compulsive overeater that they were or alcoholic. They're going to, they're going to be miserable if they um, go back out. And, you know, it's up to the employer, you know, how bad a situation it is if they're going to have to let them go. But the only way that, um, the person can recover is if they continue to strive towards living an honest life. And, you know, not everybody um, that walks into, uh, is introduced to this program just gets, um, gets, gets it right away. You know, people um, can go back out and they think, you know, that they, you know, can do it a different way but they will find out very quickly that um, this disease is doing push-ups in the corner. And so if they try to go back to some other part of their existence where it wasn't that bad and try to pick up at that point, it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Um, 
this disease is progressive, fatal in nature, and it's not going to be good. And, you know, the, the good news for the employer is if they stay on recovery, they are going to have a great employee. And if they don't, well, they may have to let them go. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Long experience with alcoholic excuses naturally arouses suspicion. I mean, think about all those sweet promises. Every time we said, this time's going to be different, with a solemn moment or without a solemn moment, this time will be different. And this is not someone that loves us. This is, an, this is an employer. This is someone that has a business to run, that we are employed by them because they need our contribution to make their business profitable. Yet our track record has been we get sober for a short period of time and then it comes crashing down. We get sober for a short period of time and it comes crashing down. So, of course, long experience with alcoholic excuses naturally will arouse suspicion. And this makes me think of the doctor's opinion. Now, Dr. Silkworth worked with 50,000 alcoholics, and he saw these people come back again and again to the hospital. He would get them sober, and they would go out into the world, and that obsession of the mind would trap them, and they would go back to drinking again. So he says here on page XXIX, I do not hold with those that believe that alcohol is entirely a mental problem. I have had many men who, for example, worked a period of months with some problems or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorable to them. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date, and then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests so that the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. So what they are telling us employers is, AA is not about someone just getting sober. AA is about having that transformation, having that psychic change sufficient for recovery. And if they've had that psychic change, if they've had that change of thought and action, your man can be trusted. And that's because there's a big difference. Once again, twofold disease. There's a big difference between having the freedom from the allergy and I think it's often called that pink cloud, when the allergy's not being triggered and we're getting up easier and life seems a little bit more manageable and we're, we're not feeling hungover every morning. There's a difference between that freedom and the freedom from the obsession of the mind. And if all we're doing is working the allergy and we're enjoying that freedom of the allergy and we are, getting, we are not going into those action steps, we are getting complacent and think that abstinence only is going to keep us safe, and the obsession of the mind is going to come in, it's going to tear us down. And that's what the employer has seen. He's seen us do periods of abstinence and relapse, periods of abstinence and relapse. So he's saying now, with this program, with this program of recovery, and this person has had that transformation, your man may be trusted. Your man may be trusted, even though long experience with alcoholics excuses naturally arouse suspicion. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. A uh, couple statements in here. 
your man may be trusted, for he knows he must be honest if he would live at all. Um, makes you swallow hard, but that's our reality. You know, that that is our reality. We're forced to live a certain way uh, due to self-preservation, and, and that's one of the incredible things about this disease is that even though it is fatal, even though uh, it's suicide on the layaway plan, it's possible to come out of it in better shape than when you first realized you had it. And what makes that possible for us to live better is that spiritual experience and the maintenance of that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience. Because we're forced to live a certain way. We are forced to live um, by these principles. We are forced to. <laughs> and, you know, other than that, it's like putting a gun to my head. It, it, it's just that's the, that's the secret of it all. That's the secret of these 12 steps. That's the secret of these principles is that, yes, it's in, indeed it's possible to be able to effectuate such a dramatic change in character and in personality and in one's value system. This is much more than just simple elimination of one's binge foods. This is wholeness. This is soundness. This is restoration. This is the ability to be an asset to an employer. This is a reordered life. This is a renewed life. You know, it is when the when the big book talks about being reborn, that's exactly it. We, we are reborn, not in body, obviously, but in mind. We are new people. We are have an opportunity to live uh, the way God intended us to live. So your man can be trusted for he knows he must be honest if he would live at all. That's that's it. That's my choice. I got two choices. Door number one. Work this program to the best of my ability. Door number two, die. That's it. There's no door number three. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Every day I have that choice. Every day this employee has that same choice. So they're, you know, they're reassuring the employer, hey, your man now can be trusted because he is living on a different plane. He is not simply living on a physical plane anymore. He is forced, forced to be in obedience, in, a, in alignment, with, in harmony with a power greater than himself. It goes on to say here, if he is conscientiously following the program of recovery, he can go anywhere your business may call him. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. I shared the other day that, you know, I marched myself into my boss's office uh, January 1987 and said I was going to take a leave of absence for several months. Due to my disease of compulsive overeating, I needed to check into a rehab, and I needed, I, needed, uh, I needed help. I needed help. Well, when I returned to that job months later, uh, you know, I was conscientiously following the program of recovery. What does conscientiously mean? It means carefully, thoroughly, painstakingly. And so because I was doing that, um, I could be that employee uh, that um, was able to do whatever this job needed me to do. Recovered people are an asset. Recovered employees are an asset. I was able to bring any strengths and talents that I had that had been bogged down by this, uh, the chains, the ball and chains of this disease into that job. And that job took me in different places, you know, but the big book reminds me, you know, if you go to page 84, it reminds us, you know, that uh, we're going to recoil as if from a hot flame. We're going to react sanely and normally. 
We're going to be safe and protected. We're in a position of neutrality. We're, we haven't sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. That's, in, that's a state of recovered. You know, the big book also tells you in page 102 that you, you don't have to hesitate to visit in even the most sordid spot on earth to run such an errand if you want to be of maximum service to others. So, I mean, I didn't do that in my pleasure time, but in order to do my job, I had to go certain places, and, and I was able to. You know, AA grew by leaps and bounds because people were able to contribute back to society. You know, when I think about AA and I think about, or OA, you know, I, I think of all the different people that, that make up a room, as Katie was just sharing. You know, there are presidents of companies, there are you know, airline pilots, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's unemployed people, there's electricians, there's psychiatrists, there's members of Congress, people in AA who are recovered have lived in the White House, they've walked on the moon, they've been in the Football Hall of Fame, you know, they've won Oscars, they are among some of the wealthiest people on the face of the earth, as well as among some of the poorest people on the face of the earth. And what is so beautiful about all of this is that you can't tell which is which, and that we sit together with a commonality which is simply based on the fact that we want a better life. And a better life includes being a better mother, a better father, a better wife, a better husband, sister, brother, friend, neighbor, employee. And that is the message of, the hope, of hope that this book carries. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? All right, I'll ask Penny C. to please read the next paragraph for us. Hi, this is Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. In case he does stumble, even once, you will have to decide whether to let him go. If you are sure he doesn't mean business, there is no doubt you should discharge him. If, on the contrary, you are sure he is doing his utmost, you may wish to give him another chance. But you should feel under no obligation to keep him on, for your obligation has been well discharged already. As we're reading this to the employer, I, I keep thinking, what, what a big order this is for the employer. You know, someone who may or may not have experienced uh, alcoholism in a family or friend before this, this encounter with the uh, employee who has the disease and reading this chapter of course ought to help him a lot but how does he know how does he know does he have a sponsor he can call and say do you think I should discharge this man how can I be sure so it's wonderful that the big book contains this this uh this chapter that gives the employer some guidelines as to how to deal with this employee. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Uh, this is Lois. May I share? Go ahead, Lois. 
I, uh, with this, with this paragraph and the previous one says to me is, um, what makes me think about is when I think about, you know, my drinking didn't hurt anybody. You know, I think about what's been said here and, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and the many people involved that, you know, it, to me it's, <clears throat> first of all, it's a message of hope, you know, about recovery, the recovered, uh, compulsive overeater, recovered employee, but also <clears throat> a, a, a message of responsibility. That you know, when I identify myself as a as a recovering alcoholic, recovered alcoholic, or recovered compulsive overeater, and and I go back to work, and my employer has invested you know his time and his um, his company um, business on me. Well, I I have a responsibility as a recovered compulsive overeater, not only to myself, but to my family, and also in this case. You know that I may be the only alcoholic, recovered alcoholic, that this employer has anything to do with, <clears throat> and and that's more of a motivation for me to uh, to be a power example that I may be the only live uh, big book that this, these people are going to meet, and um, that you know if if I keep that in mind, it's good for me, but it's also you know I'm carrying the message to the other people who follow who who will follow in that office. You know, and if I probably do not show up and and do not recover, that you know this this um, this employer may not ever you know give another alcoholic another chance. You know, for me, so for me, it's it's a message of hope. You know that that we can get well, that we can we can talk to the employer. The, this this message of hope and information for this employer is marvelous and wonderful. You know that they are encouraging him to um, and teaching him about alcoholism, and that he is willing to go along, and if the you know and and that he will have a better employee. But also as a recovering compulsive overeater, for me, it's not only just a message of hope that that your recovery is possible, as well as you know it it turns me and makes me into a better person than I ever was, which is true for me, but it also gives me. Responsibility to um, that there are other people, you know, being being affected by my recovery as well. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, and I'm reminded by what it says in this paragraph of of what it says in the forward um, on page XX. You know, it says that public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds, and for two principal reasons, large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. These made their impressions everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. So we're telling in this paragraph, through their experience, this employer, that if if he stumbles, if your employee stumbles, but you can see that he's really trying and he's talking to you honestly about it, you might give him another chance. But it is up to you. It is up to you. You can decide. You will have to decide. And if you're sure he doesn't mean business, then yes, perhaps discharging him is the best action to take. However, you may see that he's doing his utmost 
if he's being rigorously honest and doing his utmost, he might be that 25% that sobered up after some relapse and then stayed sober. So the employer is not being told this is the only way and this is what you must do. They're being saying we rely on you to make the best decision possible for your business. But here's what you might find. Here's what you might experience with someone newly in recovery. And so I think that this is a very respectful way to carry this message to the employer. You know, if you, but you can feel no obligation. You don't have to keep trying over and over again if he doesn't mean business. You know, that is, that is the message that this man may be honest enough to let you know what's going on and you may decide to give him another chance. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, my name is Mary Ann. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, this, uh, the, what we just had read reminds me that I am not a victim um, because if I was presented as a victim in the big book, if the alcoholic was presented as a victim, it would probably say something like that the employer, he should just keep on trying to um, adjust the work to this employer um, or to this employee so that because he's this special type that needs special treatment. Um, but it doesn't say that. It does say that he's actually capable of living up to the expectations except that it can happen that he has a slip and then, as we just heard shared, he he can be asked, is it really some, you know, you can look him in the eyes and see, is, is this, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know how to say that, like, are you honest or not? Um, and, um, and for me, it brings a lot of um, maturity um, into the picture that I learned to, to take responsibility of my, for my own actions and I become more mature um, because people are actually counting on me and I'm actually capable of living up to the expectations. I'm no longer a victim who needs special treatment, um, but I, I'm actually hearing the story about myself who is a very, very good worker and it's, I think it's very, um, it's a good picture to have for um, for people who come into the program to know that they can actually come back to work and be even better persons than they were before and also that they can actually be successful employees. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Esther, if you could please read that for us. Are you there, Esther? I'm here. Sorry. That's all right. I just, I, are we on there is another thing you might wish to do? Correct. Correct. Thank you. There is another thing you might wish to do. If your organization is a large one, your junior executive might be provided with this book. You might let them know you have no quarrel with the alcoholics of your organization. These juniors are often in a difficult position. Men under them are frequently their friends. 
So for one reason or another, they cover these men, hoping matters will take a turn for the better. They often jeopardize their own positions by trying to help serious drinkers who should have been fired long ago or else given an opportunity to get well. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I am amazed at the instructions line by line. Well, if this happens, there is another thing you might wish to do. And what was that? Give them the book. It all starts with the book. And this tells the employer what he is dealing with. Because sometimes you don't know. You just don't know. Well, but this part here, men under them are frequently their friends. Wow. Now they become your friends in the workplace. We know we've read about the stories of the men, how wonderful they are, how likable they are, alcoholics though they may be. So for one reason or another, they cover these men. Hope in matters will take a turn for the better. Get back to the book. Get back to the book. Because it says on each one, the family afterward, does it not even say on there? That they may slip. They may, oh, let me not use that word slip. Because that's an accident happened. This is not a slip. That what can happen there? And what is it? Spiritually. They need to get back to the spiritual recovery. The same thing it says to the wives. They must redouble his spiritual activities if he expects to survive. There is the answer, and it's for all. And the employer must read the book and see for himself. And look at this. They often jeopardize their own positions by trying to help. you got to know when to help and when to let go. There is no help that you can provide. And instead of one going down, two goes down. And this part, this last line, may I stay there, or else given an opportunity to get well. There it is. An opportunity to get well. He has that opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Well, I see our time for today is done, so we will close here. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Kathy, would you please read that for us? Yes, um, thank you, Janice. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit 
and you will certainly meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep them, keep you until then.